Well, welcome everybody once again to At The Movies at Chase Oaks. We will talk about what we just saw because this movie, Wakanda Forever, starts with a funeral. Not their original plan, but that's what happened. We'll talk about that. But before I talk about that, uh, other than just saying welcome, we're glad you're here. And um, in this series, At The Movies, this is the fourth of the last of the series, but it's gone so well, this isn't next June, we'll do it again, bottom line. And so that'll be fun. And so we will... And thank you. Let's thank everybody who has made that possible. A lot of people did in the lobbies and production. And thank you so much. And we will decide the movies in about January. So if you want to send in your votes between now and then, that re- please do that. And that'll be great. And, um, and so today our movie is Wakanda Forever which is part of the Black Panther series. You got Black Panther, the first movie, then Wakanda Forever, about this fictional uh, country in Africa, Wakanda, who because of ingenuity as well as vibranium, this natural resource, is the most powerful nation in the world. And there's these conflicts that happen. In the first movie, you see the ascendance of the Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman, and he saves the day and it's an incredible movie and um and and these movies are great not only because they're individual plot but also culturally it's a i i think it's a real breakthrough because for once a person of color is the superhero not the sidekick or the villain or somebody being rescued whatever and so i love that that kids in our no matter what their ethnicity uh, kids in our culture growing up with a superhero of color to look up to and to and I and that's really awesome. And then um, also it it highlights and celebrates another culture, uh, African cultures in a really cool way. So it's groundbreaking in that way. Um, and so you've got the first movie and Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther. They had the second movie ready to go. And it was a very different movie than what Wakanda Forever is because something happened. And you may know that what happened is Chadwick Boseman, the actor at the age of 43, tragically died from colon cancer. And that wasn't in the plan. And the producers had a decision to make. They considered hiring another, just hiring another actor to be that same character. But because he was such a strong actor in that role, and it was such an iconic role already, to honor him and to honor that, they decided instead to embrace what happened. And that's why the movie starts with a funeral. And they had to rewrite it. It it became a very, very different movie. And, And therefore, the theme of the movie is not only the conflict that happens between two nations, but even more importantly, when you watch this movie, and we'll see it, the theme of the movie really is the ascendance of the second Black Panther, uh, Shuri, the princess, the, his sister. But she, in order to get there, has to process grief. And so this movie is about loss and grief. And if you live very long in the world, you'll experience it, big or little. In fact, the difference between people who thrive in life is not so much how much, how much loss they experience, but how they go through that loss and either get stuck or um, get to the other side. And that's what you see in this movie, is how to grieve well. And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and, and when we talk about grieving and the loss of what we experience, whether, whether it's a lost marriage or a lost person that we love or 
loved one or something or loss of personal health or financial freedom or, or security or a job or whatever it is. Um, all of those losses, when we have it, involve the first loss, kind of this panic we have, which is the loss of control. Or the illusion of control. Because, of course, we're not in control. But when things happen that are not in our plan like that, like we have a plan. We know what this part of our life's going to be like. We know what this relationship's going to be like. We know what this period of time, my job, my career, whatever's going to be like. And then something happens and we lose that dream or we lose that thought. It's tough to reconcile. And that's what you see in the movie illustrated really well, right? Because they chose to embrace that loss of control and realize, well... That's not our plan, but we'll just have to adapt. We'll do a different kind of movie. And, and I certainly know that feeling of loss of control that you have to accept if you're ever going to get on the other side of grief. Because over the last few years, our family certainly experienced loss. And it was not in the plan. It, it was not in the plan for my dad to get ALS and to suffer through that and to deteriorate and then to die. It was not in the plan a couple of years ago almost for my brother to get cancer that went to his brain and then he died and he's in heaven he's with the lord i love that but that wasn't in the plan and i miss them every day every moment um, in fact like with my brother i mean we we had plans he was a chase oaker online he had come to know jesus through this church he uh, we had that in our relationship as and it, i never thought that would happen it did it was amazing and we had all these plans. He's seven years older, so he was going to retire soon. And, and he was going to have more freedom so we could, you know, and we were already doing some things and traveling. And it was all, it was just all about to happen. And then it didn't. And there's a part of me when you lose your only sibling, it just want to scream. Right? It's, and you can either stay in that posture or accept that reality and trust God and, and move through it. It's the loss of control. As well as the loss of whatever it is you lose. Big or little, loss is an opportunity to grieve. Because it's easy to think, like I just talked about the loss of loved ones, and it's so, okay, yeah, you grieve that. But the truth is, it's a continuum of loss. And, and we need to grieve, like at the shallow end all the way to deep. So shallow is the loss we feel like, I know you feel this, and, and as your pastor, I just want you to know I love you, I care about you, and every time this happens... I pray for you because I know it's hard. Every time Alabama does not win the national championship, I know it's hard. And I and just know I'm praying for you and I, you know, you can reach out to me and I'll you know, see how I did my list. And But, uh, you know, but there is a tiny little bit of grief whenever that happens. You know, your season falls apart. I mean, I know it's not big, but it's, you know, something. But let's get even more so. Sometimes we need to give our self permission to grieve. In fact, we should for things that maybe it's like, well, okay, it's not like, you know, I lost my family or something. But it's still, you know, when you don't get the promotion, when you lose a job or when a friendship doesn't work out the way it is. Right? I was talking with a, a Chase Oker who's a counselor for teenagers. And he said one of the things that he's over the last few years of COVID, there's, he's just helping process grief for teenagers, especially a couple of years ago where there was no prom or there was no in-person graduation or there was no homecoming or and, and that may not sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal. And, uh, and so just to say, no, we need to grieve that. We need to process that. Some grief is transitional in nature where let's say you move from one place to another and, and maybe you're excited about the new, but you still have to grieve 
where you are, or one status to another. Maybe you're single and you're getting married. That's exciting, but you're still losing something, right, in singleness, and or maybe the other way around, or you know, where you. But at least in those things, you like, okay, I'm grieving now, but there's something I'm kind of excited about. I'm looking forward to. And then there's the kind of loss that's just catastrophic, where it doesn't seem like there's anything on the other side. You lose a marriage. You lose a loved one, you lose a child, you lose a sibling, you lose a, a spouse or something, and maybe a business. Or, and, and it's just catastrophic because you can't see. There actually is, and we'll talk about it, something that God has for us on the other side of that. But in those kind of deep, deep losses, it's really hard to see it. And what we're talking about today in all kinds of loss is how to grieve well. Because it's a skill we've got to have in a broken, fallen world where stuff happens. And, and, and as I said, the difference between people who thrive over a long period of time in life, it's not about how much loss you experience, but how you process the loss that you do experience. And in the Bible, we're told this in First Thessalonians 4, grieve not as those who have no hope. Meaning it's actually a command to grieve. If I was going to translate this myself from the original language of the New Testament Greek, I would translate it grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Meaning we should grieve loss, not stuff it, not act like it's no big deal, not try to move on. No, we need to sit in it. We need to process it. We need to grieve. Grieve is not just feeling sad. Grieve is working through those feelings we'll talk about, but it's a choice to grieve. It's godly to grieve. We're told in the Bible that God grieves. Uh, Jesus, when he was on the planet, when a friend of his died and, and the sisters come and they say, oh, this happened and, you know, he died. It doesn't say Jesus was like, well, you know, God is good. It says, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That God grieves. It's godly to grieve and we need to. We're told to grieve. We're told to mourn. But notice he says grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Meaning there's a couple of ways to grieve. You can grieve as those who have hope. Or you can grieve as those who don't have hope. And for those who don't have hope, it's really talking about the presence of God in it. And if you lose a loved one, knowing where they are, or any kind of loss, knowing that God is with you and will walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death, there's a very different way to grieve, two different ways to grieve. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a Christian, what we're going to talk about today is how to grieve as those who have hope. Because of our connection with Jesus. And so a lot of what we talk about today will apply, even if you aren't in that category. However, it's certainly one of the huge benefits of crossing the line of faith and walking with God because God walks with us and he gives us hope no matter what, as we choose to grieve. And what we see in the movie is Princess Shuri, who really struggles with grieving, just like I do. Because I don't like to feel sad. And I think American culture, we're not good at grieving. We just stay busy. We just get busy. And that's what she does at first. She doesn't want to think about it, about her brother dying, the king, King T'Challa, the Black Panther. She, it's just big tragedy. She just, she gets busy and work. And, and then later, she, that turns into, she fixates on revenge and vengeance for those she holds responsible. And either way, she's stuck. And it's easy to get stuck. But if you and I don't grieve and we just sort of leave it there, we don't do well as human beings. Uh, we'll either kind of spiral down in anxiety, depression, other things, or 
Or a lot of times people will go into escape mode. I mean, I just don't want to think about it. So they'll overwork or they'll overplay. Meaning, you know, just go do way overboard gaming or Netflixing or whatever. And, and just try to numb ourselves, which does not help us. It's, it, we, we choose maybe acting out sexually or substance abuse or something like that. Things that make us feel better in the short run that don't make us better in the long run. We've got to grieve. And the scene we're about to see is a really great one, I think, where the queen, um, played by Angela Bassett, who's such a classy lady. I've never met her, but I'd love to. But, um, but she's, uh, you know, she is helping. She sees that her daughter is not grieving and tries to help her do so toward the beginning of the movie. Let's watch. That's a sign she may have some work to do. When you want to burn the world and everything in it, you may... Have some processing. You may need to call the counselor. You may need, right? But she's grieving. She's hurting or refusing to grieve, really. She's stuck. And, and, and what the queen is trying to do through a ritual, we'll talk about the importance of ritual here in a little bit, is just getting her to process and getting her to grieve. And in her worldview, that's connecting to the ancestors and connecting to the deceased. In our worldview, a Christian worldview, it's connecting to God who wants to walk with us and through us, through what we're going through, and provide comfort and strength and presence in a way that grows us to where we even move from sorrow to joy and connect with Him in a big way. In 2 Corinthians 1, we're told this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God when they go through the same thing. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So what we're told is that when we go through pain, and some of you are in it right now, you're just in it. Know that God is not indifferent. In fact, the Bible says that God weeps with us, that God counts our tears. And, and he will make up for that in eternity. That God is the father of compassion. He cares more than you and I can imagine. He wants to walk with us, be with us in it. That he is the God of all comfort. And when we choose to find him in the middle of that and we walk with him through it, something amazing happens. And that is we become way closer to him and we find joy, even as we have sorrow mixed with joy, we find joy even in the midst of sorrow and we find connection with him and we become more the kind of people we really do want to become and have the kind of relationship with God we want to have. It's with the way God redeems our loss and redeems our sorrows as he fills that space with him and his love and his mercy and his joy. And that's why the Bible says crazy things sometimes. I consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials of all kinds. Because that's what really brings about spiritual transformation that we all really want. That, that's how we become the kind of people we all admire. Um, and, and there's no way, there's really no other way. I mean, there's other ways to grow spiritually. And the next series is about that, the Snowball series. Uh, but... But this will be covered in there a little bit. But really, spiritual transformation is about these movements in our life. And one of those movements that God uses is sorrow to joy. Where we go from sorrow to joy as we connect with him in the middle of the process. A friend of mine said it this way. Sorrow. So we're moving from sorrow to joy. Mourning, okay, is the way, is the in-between. 
Sorrow is the loss and pain we feel because of the fallen world we live in. Joy is the thriving that comes when we bring our pain to God and receive his comfort and connect to his bigger redemptive narrative. Mourning is the process of bringing our loss and pain to God. It's not denying our pain. It's embracing it, feeling it, sitting in it, and inviting God into it, bringing it to him in a way that we, over time, move from sorrow to joy, even though that joy is still mixed with sorrow and it kind of happens in waves. But something profound happens when we grieve, when we don't get stuck, but we take it to God. And, and I love the way they talk about that. Just to, this is a quick conversation we're about to see between, about grieving between Prince Shuri and the guy who becomes kind of the villain in the movie. And this is before they're fighting each other. And they eventually all come back around together. But here's the conversation. That's a great line and true. Only the most broken people can be great leaders. If you show me a leader that's never been broken, that's never been humbled, that's never gone through suffering, usually not a great leader. The way we become the kind of people we become in large part happens through times like that. And in fact, I, I've never met anybody who is an exception to that. The most joyful people I know are the people who've suffered. But they haven't just suffered, they've suffered, they've mourned, they've grieved by bringing it to God in the way that we're talking about. And so it's a great question. Well, how do we do that? So, so when I go through stuff, rather than stuffing it, just trying to move on or whatever, which is kind of the American way, how do I, how do I grieve? Like, okay, so I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to take it to God. I'm going to receive his comfort, his strength, his presence, his peace, and move into this thriving, and even though at the same time, sometimes I'm struggling and thriving at the same time. How, do I, how does that work? How does that, what does that look like? And I think practically, and by the way, I'm not the best. I should probably have somebody else do this message because I'm not the best griever in the world. I've had to go through counseling recently just to learn to feel negative emotions, to feel sad, disappointed. And I just don't like feeling that stuff. So I just push it away. Now I'm learning to, to do that. And, and, and in the process of grief and loss, uh, I've learned a lot more over the last couple of a few years how to do that. So let's talk about ritual and the power of ritual. Because uh, that's what you see in the movie that we saw in that scene with burning the funeral clothes. We'll come back to another scene where that happens, where Shuri finally does that and returns to that. But that's, that's a, a, the, and we know that God thinks it's a good idea too. Because when you look in the Old Testament, and a lot of Jewish people still do it today, what they did with the loss of a loved one, we're talking about all kinds of loss, but with the loss of a loved one, is they would... Um, sit, it's called sit shiva for seven days and your friends and family and all that would interrupt their lives for seven days and come around you as the closer relatives and they were grieving too because they knew the person and they all come together and they grieve in community for seven days imagine us doing that you know, I guess some of you do if you're from that culture but that's not it then there's another 30 day period after that that's another kind of interruption, not as intense as the seven days, but it's not like us where it kind of in American culture, you, you know, you take a day off to do the funeral and you get out, get all the family out the door and then you get back to life. And we wonder why we have a lot of issues because that's really not a great ritual. 
And, uh, and so, I, you know, probably that one's not a bad one to consider, even though in our culture that's so different. But come up with a ritual. Um, I, I tried that when I was on sabbatical about a year and a half ago. I had more time because when my brother died, I just I was busy and I just stayed busy. And I realized I'd never really sat in that grief and taken it to God. And, and so I set aside two hours, which for me, remember, I don't like negative things. So it, set, it felt like 200 years, but two hours, I made myself sit in it for two hours. And after about five minutes, I'm like, I think I'm done. I'm good. You know, but no, I'm going to stay with it for two hours. And I first just asked God to help me feel the loss, the loneliness there's something about losing your only sibling. I mean, they understand you in a way that nobody else does. I mean, it's just a unique thing. And to feel the loneliness of that. To feel an anger of, hey, this wasn't the plan. To feel the, the hurt. To feel the sadness and all that. And then, to take that to God. Knowing that he's felt all that too. And to take it to him. And just talk about it with him. And in my mind, the way I pictured it is taking it like in the throne room of God and, and, and just sort of giving it to him and asking him to fill me, to empty that and to him to fill me with his comfort and his strength, his sense of purpose for the future, whatever he has next. Even though I know it's, it's not a one-time thing, like, but, but that simple thing was super helpful for me. So come up with some kind of ritual and... With the how, don't do it alone. I mean, there are things like that where it's me and God, and I think that's good. But also, bring other people in. Don't isolate yourself in grief. And it's easy in our culture to do that. We're going to see another scene uh, that illustrates that. And then we'll talk about how to do it differently. Let's watch. So she disconnected. But we, she has reasons for that in a public situation. She's the fiancé of the king. And, and you see in the movie there's more to it than that, too, toward the end of the movie. But... All that to illustrate the idea of that it's so easy to do to disconnect from people in our grief and in our sorrow rather than move toward people. Uh, it's just a pretty natural thing to do, but counterproductive. Um, that grief is a team sport. We really can't mourn well just by ourselves. That's why in Romans 12:15 we're told to mourn with those who mourn. So if you have somebody in your life that's grieving, that's experiencing loss, we're not told to just care for those who mourn or to pray for those who mourn or to remember those who mourn we're told to do what mourn with those who mourn meaning to enter into their grief the way one person talks about it it's like when somebody's in a pit of loss or suffering or difficulty rather than being on top of the pit and saying hey how's it going down there I'm praying for you to get down in the pit with them and to say look I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm with you and I'm for you. I'm not going anywhere. And, and that's not always easy to do because sometimes we think, well, they don't, you know, if you know somebody who's experiencing significant loss, like, well, they're probably okay without me. Or, man, what if I say the wrong thing? And by the way, I'm a pastor and I've said the wrong thing. And I've seen a lot of people say really the wrong thing in times that, you know, I've seen people say that Christians can... Boy, we can get it wrong. Like Christians, because we always want to have a reason. We always want to say something profound, you know, it seems like. And so, you know, I've been in situations where somebody's lost a, like a, a child or a sibling or something. We're like, well, God obviously wanted them more than you did. Like, what? <laughs> you know, what does that mean? Or, um, or, you know, well, you know, like I said before, you know, well, hey, God, God is good. 
you know, which he is good. I mean, that's true, but that's, what does that mean in that moment? You know, or, um, there's all, just all kind of, or people say, well, you know, God works all things together for good. Yeah, that, that's, thank you. But right now, kind of sucks, you know? And so what do you do? You don't have to give any kind of explanation because we don't know the explanation. All we have to do is just be there. And if you're going to say something, things like, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And, man, I'm praying for you, and I love you, and I'm here. Blank check, anything. I don't know what I can do, but I... And, and if you're wondering, man, should I send the card? Should I send the text? Should I make the phone call? Yeah, you should. Um, you know, should I offer to take care of your kids and bring a meal or whatever? Why not? Um, should I, you know, move toward rather than away? Yeah, I, I think so. And for those of you who are going through grief, don't try to go it alone. And around here, we have something called grief recovery, which is super helpful, as you can find community with people who are going through it at the same time you're going through it. And it gives structure to the grief process, and let me encourage you to, to do that. And, and, or get in a group and, and pursue. Don't try to go it alone, because we can't do it that way. Now, what we're going to see in the movie is she continues to struggle to do that. She's, we're going to see a scene. I just want to give us a little bit of hope because this is a pretty, have you noticed it's kind of heavy topic that, that when you're in the, when you're in loss, it can feel like, you know, I've lost this person. I've lost this kind of situation. I've lost this dream. I've lost, it's over. Like what else do I have to live for? Like it's over. My life's over, but it's not over. That chapter's over, but there's a new chapter. There's a new step. God has a future. In fact, God will use this to even make that better. And, and I want us to feel that sense of hope and energy. And so we're going to see what happens with Shuri as she becomes the new Black Panther. And it's one of those, yeah, kind of scenes. And I think we need a little bit of that. So let's watch the... So God is the author and finisher of our faith, of our story. And there's always a next chapter. And, and it, we have to grieve one chapter, but God has another one. Should we choose to grieve? And it's very possible to get stuck and to stay stuck. But God wants to help us move through that, to do what we've been talking about. And we're about to do a little something here in a little bit. But to get, to, when we, to get on the other side, and I want us to see her do that. Because this movie, the real ending of the movie is not actually when they win this battle or it's kind of a sort of, yeah, I guess they win the battle against this other powerful nation that also has vibranium. And you're like, okay, yeah, the battle's over. That's great. But that's not the way the movie ends. The way the movie ends is Shuri going back to the ritual that her mother helped, you know, that we saw the first clip. And now her mother has been, she's killed in the movie, so she's not there. So that compounds her grief. And she goes to the fire to actually finally do what we've been talking about doing. And we see that happening. Let's watch. She finally does what we're talking about doing. And you see there's credits and then the end of the movie. I've spoiled most of it, so I won't spoil that. But there's even more hope after that that you see kind of the future, um, hinting at the future. Um, but she makes the wise and good choice to finally grieve and, and to work through that. And, and, 
You know, earlier we gave this quote, joy is the thriving that comes when we bring our pain to God and receive his comfort and connect his bigger narrative. Uh, Mourning is the way to get from sorrow to joy. And in the process, a lot of amazing things happen when we grieve well. They can only happen through loss. Um, And God invites us to come to him. And so I want you to think about, we're going to do two rituals. We're going to actually go through, there's no fire, anything, but we're going to do two rituals here. And I know some of you are like, dude, I just came to, to get popcorn. You know, I, this is kind of heavy. But, I, but I'm telling you, you will leave lighter if you do this. Because all of us have loss. There, all of us have things we hold on to. And again, I don't care if it's, it doesn't have to be catastrophic. It could be. Maybe you're dealing with loss of a loved one or loss of a marriage or loss of something really, really big. A business or whatever, health. Maybe it's something much you know, less intense than that. Whatever it is, I just wanted you to get it in your mind. Because here's what Jesus invites us to do in Hebrews. We're told, so then, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings, trials, we do. Yet he did not sin. So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus came and lived here, and he suffered like you and I suffer, so that he would know what it's like to be us, to grieve, to suffer. And he invites us to come and receive grace to help when we need it most. And some of us really need it right now. And so let's bow our heads together. And I'm going to just walk us through a ritual with that in mind. He says to come before the high priest. So I want you to, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in your mind, I want you to imagine this. Picture the throne room of God. Him on the throne, the Father. Who is the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort. Who loves you more than you can imagine. And he invites you to come to him. And I, I just, and I want you to think about coming to him with your hands full of grief and loss, the hurt, the anger, the disappointment, the fear, the what now, all that. Your hands full of that. And come right up into his presence. Like he calls us, he says, call him daddy. Like we're, and we're like small children. So imagine yourself just coming up into his lap of the father. And with your hands open, ask him to take all of that and fill it with his comfort, his peace, his strength, his sense of purpose for the future, even joy. And imagine yourself walking out of that room, throne room, into our world. Having connected to God, received his comfort much lighter than when you came in. Father, I know this is a process, but I pray and I thank you. I thank you that you meet us in moments like this. And Father, I pray that you would help us to grieve well. And not just try to push it down or act like it's no big deal, but to bring it to you. And thank you that you love us beyond imagination and that you will walk with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. 
to strengthen us, to be with us. We are not on our own. And that you even work it in our life to bring a whole new story, a whole new chapter. We thank you for that hope. And that we can grieve, not as those who have no hope. In Jesus' name, amen.